Well, last Sunday we had the privilege of celebrating communion together, and this Sunday we have the privilege of observing baptism. And uh, I'm sure most of you are aware that baptism and communion are the two ordinances of the church. And uh, by ordinances, we mean that they're the only two things that Jesus ordained or ordered or commanded that his followers do on a regular basis. And uh, neither of these things, communion, the Lord's Supper, or baptism, are means of grace, but they're simply an outward sign that shows that we have inwardly received the grace of God through the personal work of Jesus Christ. In other words, neither of these things, taking communion or getting baptized, cause us to be saved. They simply commemorate the fact that we are saved. Amen? Uh, They serve as visual reminders or reenactments, if you will, of the gospel, of how God saves people from sin, and they also provide those who are trusting in Christ for their salvation the opportunity to corporately identify with him and to publicly testify of their faith in him. And while they are not necessary for salvation, they are much needed reminders of the good news of of salvation or the gospel. And I think that's why, uh, one of the reasons why Christ commanded us to do these things on a regular basis, to be celebrating the Lord's Supper and to uh, be baptizing uh, people. Um, Jesus not only instituted both of these ordinances, but he also participated in both these ordinances. Um, He instituted and participated in the first communion at the end of his ministry. We have a record of that in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, It says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so he uh, there at the, the celebration of the Passover on the night uh, he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified, um, he celebrated Passover with his disciples and he, he transformed that Passover ceremony into the Lord's Supper or communion for believers to participate in uh, ever since then. Well, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry uh, is where he uh, instituted um, baptism. He was baptized at the start of his ministry. Take your Bibles and, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And here we find the very familiar passage of Christ's baptism. Um, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Matthew records, Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permitted at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. 
Jesus' baptism is recorded in all four of the Gospels, but Matthew provided the most detailed account. And here in this account, we see two reasons why Jesus got baptized. Number one, he wanted to associate with humanity. And secondly, God wanted to affirm his deity. And so look, let's look at these reasons together, why Jesus got baptized. First of all, it was an association with humanity. And we need to understand the context of what was happening here, and that was that John the Baptist was readying the people of Israel for the coming of their Messiah by calling them to repentance, which was symbolized by them getting baptized. Notice verses 1, and, one through 3 at the beginning of this chapter. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is the one referred to by Isaiah, the prophet, when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so here was John the Baptist introducing himself as the forerunner of Christ. And so huge crowds were flocking to hear John the Baptist preach, and many confessed their sins and were baptized. Look at verse 5. Then Jerusalem was going out to him. So he doesn't even say people from, he just says Jerusalem. So in other words, the whole city was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Well, some of those that came out to see John the Baptist or hear John the Baptist were the hypocritical religious leaders of the day. And they were very self-righteous, and they came to simply gawk at him, but felt no need to repent of their sin. And so John rebuked them. Notice verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees, therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire." Interesting there in verses, uh, really just verse 11, you have all three types of baptism that are mentioned in the scriptures. You've got water baptism, you've got spirit baptism, and you've got Obviously what we're about to experience is the, the, the water baptism, uh, which is simply an outward demonstration of spirit baptism. In other words, that these young people that are going to be baptized today have already been baptized by the Holy Spirit when they were born again. And so this is simply an outward demonstration of that. There's also fire baptism, which is the kind of baptism you don't want to have anything to do with because it's judgment. And it's for those reserved for those who fail to repent and fail to place their faith alone in Christ. It's, I think it's the fire of, of, of not only God's judgment, it's the fire of hell, ultimately. And so here is the context. And so... During one of John's baptism services, and it sounds like these were happening on a daily basis, um, 
a lowly carpenter from Nazareth stepped out of the crowd and approached John to be baptized. And so after 30 years of living in obscurity, Jesus burst on the scene here for all the world to see and to know. But based on the nature of John's ministry, this might seem like the last place that Jesus should have made himself known. In fact, John's own response to Jesus when he said, hey, baptize me, I want to get baptized, revealed that, that this appeared like the wrong place and the wrong time. I mean, this was like a role reversal. It was unthinkable to John for him to baptize Jesus, not only because he was unworthy to untie Jesus' sandals, let alone baptize him, but also because Jesus needed to baptize him. Notice it says there, Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him, but John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But was, what was probably the most unthinkable for John, what, what seemed even or maybe the most inappropriate in John's mind about Jesus getting baptized, just, just getting baptized regardless of who did it, is John's baptism symbolized repentance from sin, which he knew Jesus was the spotless Lamb of God and therefore had no sin to confess or repent of. If you remember in John 1.21, when he saw Jesus, he said to his followers, John had disciples of his own, and he said, behold the Lamb of God, right, who, what, takes away the sin of the world. In other words, not only was John unworthy to baptize Jesus, but Jesus was too worthy to be baptized. And yet Jesus convinced John to baptize him in order to what? Verse 15, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus answered and said to him, permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Obviously, that's a loaded statement there, but what Jesus was basically saying is that him getting baptized was all part of God's plan of salvation. In fact, it was the first step of God's redemptive plan. It set the plan in motion. God had sent Jesus to live the perfect life that none of us could ever live, to do everything that God wanted a righteous Jew to do in those days, to fulfill all the requirements of the law, to be circumcised and to pay all the taxes and to attend all the festivals and observe all the sacrifices. And so this was all part of him fulfilling all righteousness. Now, it's, it's very important we understand here that, that by getting baptized, Jesus was not admitting that he needed to be forgiven, he was associating with those who need to be forgiven. He was identifying himself with those he came to save. In fact, I believe he was actually taking man's sin upon himself so he could carry it to the cross where God would punish him for it and would impute his righteousness to all those who would repent of their sin and place their faith in him for salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says that God made him who knew no sin, that was Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so here we see the, 
the sinless Son of God, willingly submitting himself to baptism for sinners in order to identify and associate with us. Ken Geyer, who has written a number of really precious devotionals going through the gospel accounts, he wrote one called Moments with the Savior, and this is what he wrote regarding Christ's baptism. He said this, quote, witness the humiliation of God. At his birth, he stepped from heaven to take on our flesh. At his baptism, he steps down even further to not only stand on the banks with us in our humanness, but also to wade in the water to stand with us in our sinfulness. Now, obviously, Jesus never sinned. But he was identifying with those he came to save, with us sinners. Furthermore, I would say this, that Christ's baptism, if you want to know why Jesus was baptized, why did he need to get baptized? Well, it was to fill all righteousness, but also his baptism pictured his, 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 his burial, or excuse me, his death, burial, and resurrection. Matthew chapter 20, verse 22, when uh, the disciples were arguing over who was going to sit on his right and left hand when he came into the kingdom. They, they thought he was going to set up his kingdom in, in, in Jerusalem. And they were bickering over who, who should sit at his right and left hand. He, he simply said this, Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? He was talking about his coming crucifixion. In Luke twelve fifty, he said this, Jesus said, I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is accomplished. And so Jesus likened his, his, his death and burial and resurrection as a baptism. And we know that uh, baptism by immersion, as we're going to witness uh, here in just a few moments, uh, is a beautiful, powerful picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you turn over to Romans, and this will be familiar to us because we've been studying this together, but in Romans chapter 6, Paul said this, verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Now again, I don't think this is talking about water baptism per se. This is talking about spirit baptism when, we, uh, when we're saved, we're baptized into Christ. But notice he goes on to say in verse 4, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In other words, Paul was describing what happens in the spirit realm, if you will, behind the scenes when a person is born again. It's as if everything that happened to Christ happened to us, that, that we died with Christ and we were buried with Christ and we were raised back to newness of life, to walk in newness of life. That, that's what happens in the, in the, in the spirit realm uh, when a person repents and believes. You don't see it necessarily, you don't hear it necessarily, you don't feel it necessarily, but that's exactly what happened on a spiritual level. And so that's why God, I think, ordained Baptism or Christ ordained baptism because it's a visual image of what happened when we got saved. These young people are not, are not getting saved this morning. They all know that. I made that very clear. 
because uh, I didn't want to have that on my conscience that some, somebody thought that this was part of their salvation, that they had to get baptized in order to be saved. No, this is merely an outward demonstration of that inward spiritual reality that took place whenever these young people repented and believed. But it's a beautiful picture a powerful picture of, of what happened, that they, they died with Christ and they were buried with Christ and they're now they're, they, they were raised to walk in newness of life. They're already walking in newness of life by the grace of God. This is just, just pictures that, symbolizes that. Also, I would say this, by being baptized, Jesus modeled obedience in regards to the ordinance of baptism for all of his future followers. He would say at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations. What's the next word? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, Peter picked up on that in in the first sermon that he preached after Pentecost, uh, when the Israelites who recognized the fact that they had just killed their Messiah, and they they were cut to the heart through Peter's message, through Peter's sermon, and they said, what should we do? And he said, repent and be what? Baptized. And so again, that was uh, repent of your sin and be baptized, which was an outward demonstration of that repentance. It was a way to go public, if you will, with your commitment to Christ. And so I would say this, if, if Jesus got baptized, how much more we as sinners should get baptized? Baptism is not only an act of obedience, but it's also an opportunity to publicly identify with Christ and boldly testify that he is our Lord and Savior. And that's what these young people all understand. That's what they're doing today. They're, they're, they're publicly testifying um, and, and, and identifying with Christ and uh, with his church. Uh, they're basically saying, hey, I'm one of you, and, uh, and oh, by the way, hold me accountable to that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, I'm all in for Jesus, and, and that's why I'm here. And if you see me uh, someday not living my life all in for Jesus, you have every right to come up to me and hold me accountable to the things I said uh, before I got baptized. And so there's some good accountability here for us as a church, amen, when we get up and get baptized. So... Why did Jesus get baptized? Well, it was, first of all, to associate with sinful humanity. Jesus identified with us as a sinner. We need to identify with him as our Savior. He stood with us in his baptism, and we have the opportunity to stand with him in our baptism. The second reason that Jesus was baptized here is the affirmation of his deity. The affirmation of his deity. Notice verses 16 and 17. Matthew records how immediately following Jesus' baptism, God inaugurated his public ministry in a very compelling, unforgettable way. Verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him, and behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Just so you know, we shouldn't be expecting that to happen today, okay? 
because there is, uh, that none of these young people that are getting baptized is the Son of God, okay? The second member of the Trinity. And so there's no need for this affirmation to take place, but that was the case for Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit appeared in the form of a dove and landed on him, which symbolized God's anointing and empowering for service. In fact, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he was immediately whisked away by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And uh, you remember that there in Matthew chapter 4. But then uh, in the chronology of, uh, of the Gospels, as soon as he um, completed those 40 years, of, 40 years, 40 days of testing uh, in the wilderness, he began his public ministry and he returned to Galilee. This is Luke chapter 4. And he returned to Galilee, and uh, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are pressed who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So Jesus went from getting baptized to being tempted and then beginning his ministry, reading scripture and saying, hey, I'm, I'm the one that Isaiah was talking about. And again, it was the Spirit of God coming upon him in the same way that the Old Testament kings were anointed with oil, which symbolized the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to enable them to do their job as king. And so the descending dove was symbolic of that, that anointing. And it was also a visible sign to John that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And this is interesting. Uh, I find in John chapter 1, apparently John didn't immediately recognize Jesus. Apparently, they had never met. At least that's the way John makes it sound. In John chapter 1, verse 31, I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. In other words, John's baptism was to flush out Jesus. And John testified, saying, I've seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. And so this was, this was God's way of affirming that Jesus was the promised Messiah, that he was the one that John was preparing the way for. And if that wasn't convincing enough, this Holy Spirit coming from heaven, John and the crowds heard God's audible voice thundering out of heaven, declaring that Jesus is his beloved son with whom he is well pleased. That's one, of the, that's one of the TiVos I want to hit when I get up to heaven. Is that what you, you use a TiVo to get back and watch a rewind or something? Is that right? I don't understand all that stuff. Whatever it is, the record thing on your TV and you want to go back and watch, that's, I want to see that scene. 
I want to hear that voice from heaven, and I want to see the response of John and all the crowds as they were responding to God's voice. And he was essentially just quoting his own word. He was quoting the Old Testament. Psalm 2, verse 7, Isaiah 42, verse 1. And he was applying those Old Testament passages to Christ. By the way, this is just one of three occasions when God spoke from heaven, acknowledging Jesus as a son. The other most notable one is when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, 5, said basically the same thing. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you see the Trinity here? How all three persons of the Godhead are present at Jesus' baptism? This is one of the clearest um, affirmations of what we call the doctrine of the Trinity, that uh, God exists um, as one but three, and, and there's three members of the Trinity, three persons in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and you see all of them present at the same time doing something different, all serving a different role in, in, in God's plan of salvation, and so we see the role of the Father, we see the role of the Son, we see the role of the Holy Spirit in salvation. They're all on display at Jesus' baptism. Someone said it this way, the Father loves the elect from before the foundation of the world. He sends his Son to seek and save the lost, and the Spirit convicts them of sin and draws them to the Father through the Son. And so we see all that happening in this moment of time. And so John's baptism of Jesus really served two purposes. It it prepared sinners for Christ, but it also presented Christ to sinners. This morning, we have the privilege of hearing the testimonies of 13 young people whose lives have been radically transformed through their repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I think what's unique about this morning, when, we were, when, when they all showed up last week into, at the baptism class, I looked around the room and I said, every one of these people that showed up for baptism are part of our student ministry. From Next Level, which is our middle school ministry, to 220, which is our high school ministry, to Crossroads, which is our college and young adult, uh, college and career ministry. And uh, it just made me so thankful for how the Lord is using Kyle and, and uh, Kathy and, and our, sta- our student ministry staff, all of you that are serving in, in Next Level and 220 and, and Crossroads. I mean, this is it's just an evidence of God's grace um, in your life and your ministry uh, to see really the fruit of what God is accomplishing in and through you. And so I'm going to pray and uh, ask the Lord's blessing on these young people as they come share and uh, as they get baptized this morning. Father, we are so grateful for the example of Jesus Christ. He was the last person um, who ever lived that needed to get baptized, but he did to um, associate and identify with us who he had come to save. 
and uh, also to be an example for us. That if he, not being a sinner, got baptized, how much more we sinners need to get baptized. And so I'm thankful this morning for your work of grace in each one of these 13 lives that are going to be sharing. Lord, would you even now grant them grace? I know that there's some uh, nervousness and some anxiety, and I just pray that you would help them to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus and remember that this is all about him, not them, and that, that Christ would get all the glory and all the honor for saving um, these souls. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.